Welcome to episode nine of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, our string of uh, spotty weather is continuing in Canada, but uh, we've got good news coming on Friday. Um, stage three of reopening is happening, so uh, things are slowly getting getting back to normal here, and I'm really excited for that. can do more things and enjoy my free time. What does stage three mean? Like, what, what now can you do compared to what you couldn't do? Uh, well, gyms are open, cinemas, uh, theaters, um, you know, concerts can start to happen again, can eat inside, go to bars inside, all, all that stuff, and not really any more capacity limits uh, things. So, yeah, it's all looking up. That's great. Oh, that's very yeah. good news because it's been, what, a year for you guys, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well over a year. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a bit of a, not a lockdown, but just some restrictions. Uh, so every time we go out in public, we have to wear a mask, uh, which was supposed to be lifted today, uh, this morning, but it's been extended for another week. Uh, Sydney is in a bit of trouble. So Sydney is in, in, in a lockdown. And mm-hmm. I think Melbourne is in a lockdown as well. Uh, let's bring in Darren. Darren, how you doing? I'm doing good. Darren's in our Brisbane studio. He's our engineer. Um your sister lives in Melbourne, so what's the Melbourne situation? Uh, the Melbourne, yeah, they're in a five-day lockdown, so lockdown. they're back to where they were a couple of weeks ago. They're not overly happy. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I get that. It's uh, it's not fun to be in a in a really strict lockdown. Yeah, uh, especially you, you guys have had that taste of freedom. Like things are going so well for a while, and then yeah, uh, yeah. we are. I must admit, we are so lucky living here in Brisbane. While we had, I think, three or four cases two three weeks ago, it's been fine. Like there hasn't been any okay. cases, so they're just being a little bit overly uh, cautious, which is great. Uh, so we just have to wear masks and that's it. And uh, there's, I think there was one new case yesterday. Uh, but other than that, we're, we're doing great. All right. And that's been your weekly COVID update. That has been my weekly COVID update. Yeah. <laughs> Very uh, nice. So again, what this podcast is about, uh, just in case this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, it's not a, a COVID podcast. <laughs> uh, so every week, uh, Nick and I introduce music to each other. We come from very different generations. I'm probably 23, 24 years older than Nick, uh, who's my nephew. Uh, so I uh, expose him to some music that he's never heard before, and he exposes me to some music that I've never heard before. And then we just discuss the song. So that's basically what the podcast is about. And this week, Nick, you're going to go first with your song. Yeah. So uh, for this week, I chose to um, introduce you to one of my personal favorite artists. I put him top five for, uh, for me. And that would be Travis Scott. Now, uh, most of the listeners who are my age probably uh, need no introduction to Travis Scott. But I'm going to give one anyway, in case anyone is unaware of of him and, you know, where he came from, what he does. So, um, essentially, Travis's big break came in 2013, when none other than Kanye West, my uh, favorite artist, asked him to sit in on the sessions for the album he was working on at the time, Yeezus. And um, through that, Travis kind of became Kanye's uh, protege for a little bit. You know, he's getting tips from him, expanding his, his production techniques, and really just taking advantage of, of learning under you know, such a legend of music. And then two years later, he released his debut studio album, Rodeo, which is where this week's song uh, is coming from. So 90210 is where uh, the album really hits its stride. 
and it's got to be one of, if not my favorite, uh, song by Travis Scott. So I can't wait to hear what you think about this one. I'm not really sure what to expect in terms of a reaction, but before we get to that, uh, Darren, why don't you just hit play and give us a little snippet? Tell me what you thought of 90210 by Travis Scott. Uh, I knew a little bit about Travis Scott. I've never really heard any of his music other than maybe some sound clips that I heard on, uh, you know, anytime there's a Kylie Jenner story. Is it Kylie Jenner he's married to? Who is he married to? Uh, So he's not married to anybody, but um, he has a daughter with Kylie Jenner. Thank you. Okay. Uh, And I think uh, even though Kylie Jenner is not a Kardashian, I sort of see her as a Kardashian. And I think Darren's about to play a clip that expresses how I feel about the Kardashians. Aaron, go for it. It's not you I hate, Kardashian. I hate what I became because of you. So that clip is from Star Trek, believe it or not, the next generation. There's a race there's a race of alien called Kardashians and O'Brien who was speaking. He was, was uh, he was the words of war with the Kardashians. And he was talking about how he became a different person because of the, the Kardashian war. And that's how I sort of feel about the Kardashians. I don't hate them. I just sort of don't like what I've become because of them. <laughs> what would you say you've become because of the Kardashians? Um, maybe a little too jaded, um, a little too aware of what one of their bums are doing at any specific time. This, that yeah. seems to be a, a, a very prominent, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, aspect of the Kardashians. I don't know. Yes. There's like revenge body TV shows that I've come across. It's just, it's hard not to yeah. be changed by the Kardashians for the, for good or bad. I don't, I don't personally get it. Uh, they are, they have no talent whatsoever other than being themselves. Well, you know, I, I would say that uh, they excel at marketing themselves. That is true. They, they are very, very good at, at, at marketing themselves. All right, so, get, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough Kardashian talk. Yeah, what do you think get, of the song? Let's get back into the song. Okay. So, while I am not a fan of the auto tune, obviously there is a bit of auto tune in this song. Travis Scott, I think, uses auto tune for most of his singing. Maybe that, not, that's correct. Yeah. Not. Uh, I think when when he when he's rapping, I think uh, I did get a hint of auto tune at some points with his rapping, but it's not as uh, persistent uh, during his rapping. I'm not a big fan of auto tune, but who am I to tell an artist to you know to do something? They're an artist. He's a million records selling artist. He knows what he's doing musically, so let him use as much auto tune as he thinks is needed on the song. I'm I'm not one of those guys that is a purist. Technology's there to be used, right? What I liked about the song is how. Mm specifically quiet it was and, and I'll explain what I'll explain what I mean in a, in a universe where you can have as many tracks on a song as you want the fact that there was a little bit of like the track was sparse there wasn't 300 tracks of different musical sounds dubs overlays uh, samples it was just a really nicely spaced out song there was so much room in the song I think that's what I enjoyed most about it it's it didn't overwhelm you, you just sort of felt part of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And I agree. It's a very minimalist song, right? Like, And it feels kind of weird saying that because 
there are these very loud bassy synths that you know come in and you know wash over you and and there's some heavy guitar licks at some points but at the same time like you said a lot of room in the instrumental for all those components to just breathe and exist and have their own space it's not super layered on top of each other and yeah so i definitely i definitely see what you're saying with that it felt a little bit like a throwback where it could be just an eight track like four track i don't think it's four track song but it could be just an eight track or 16 track song which is unheard of nowadays where you can just put anything and everything on top of a song to layer it in to just uh, have as much many instruments or, or different samples as you can. So that was really surprising. I really enjoyed that part of it. Did you um, so did, did you pick up on any of the, the sort of themes of the song or, you know, what, what he was talking about, kind of the story he was trying to tell? OK, in my limited understanding of Travis Scott, this is what I think he was uh, sing, uh, rapping about or singing about, and and I and I like if it's this, if if I'm correct, this exploration is something very interesting, and I hope it, there's more artists that do this. Success probably has only come to him in the last five or six years. It, I I think I got from it that he was talking about how different the 90210 lifestyle is compared to where he's come from, and how he's sort of living in that world. Uh, that's what I took from the song. I have no idea if that was what he meant by it, but that's how I sort of saw the song. No, that's that's exactly right. That's you know that uh, I think that's absolutely the correct interpretation of the song, and I agree. I mean, it's just really cool and interesting to to hear that kind of side of of you know the LA lifestyle, which we associate with you know glitz and glamour, but you know there really is a, a darker underworld there, right? And I think it's cool how at first he he kind of frames that by talking about like a, a porn star who, you know, is addicted to drugs and, you know, you know prostituting herself to, to get her fix and everything, always coming back to this alley. Um, and then he kind of just ties that into his own experiences, right? Like Travis Scott, he grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, you know, middle-class family. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's flying out to LA, he's having studio sessions with Kanye West. He's collaborating with all these, you know, big names and rappers and, success is just kind of taken by storm. So yeah, that's what he's talking about. And you you definitely picked up on that, which I'm very happy about. Yeah. That's got to mess with your head to be just an ordinary guy one day and uh, to have all that success and be recognized and date one of the most famous, you know, young women in the entire world. Uh, That's got to be just, just crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you think about it, you know, when, when you're in LA, you're immersed in that lifestyle. But then at the same time, you still have all these ties to where you came from, to your home. You know, you're, you're talking on the phone with your family, your grandma, you know, thinking, I hope you still, or saying, I hope you still think about me <laughs> and everything. And um, yeah, it, it must feel like a balancing act, really. And I, I think he conveys that very well in this song. It's that balancing act between, you know, enjoying your success, but not falling victim to it at the same time, because, you know, there's been far too many instances to count of artists who you know they blow up get successful and then they they let it you know take them down the wrong path yeah they they sort of disappear up their own asses if uh, to, to to use a turn of phrase exactly exactly yeah so uh i'm i'm happy you enjoyed the song for what it was i was i was a little nervous because of the auto-tune because you know uh, i feel like and this is a generalization um but i feel like a lot of people um, your age or, or around that that era generation uh, really just turn their nose up immediately as soon as they hear any kind of auto tune or or crazy vocal effects like that. So I'm glad you're able to look past that. You're right. I, I think a lot of people my age are have a hard time um, accepting auto tune, and they think that share 
uh, you know, conquered it when um, Do You Believe in Love came out, uh, which was her auto-tune song. If you haven't heard it, listen to it once and then never listen to it again. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, they're an artist. They should be able to explore whatever they want to explore. Who am I to tell? Like I said at the beginning, who am I to tell an artist not to use autotune? They can do whatever the hell they want. And if it's a good song, it's a good song. I, Yeah, I completely agree. And I think what, what when I really like um, autotune is when it's it's used as, you know, another layer of the instrumental. The, the effect that is created by the autotune, and Travis exemplifies this. Like, he really is, is the poster child for doing this, but... Um, using vocal effects to just add to the atmosphere of the song and, and complement the instrumental. I think that's really cool. And I think that that's extremely creative and just another aspect of um, artistry in the modern day world when you're able to do that. Um, it's just, it's really just using another tool and turning your voice into an instrument. I'm guessing that you've seen Travis Scott live. Yes. Yeah. I've seen him twice. Um, one time when he opened for Kendrick Lamar. Yep. And the second time I was on his, um, his like solo massive uh world tour in like uh in arenas and stuff he's he's amazing he's absolutely amazing live that's sort of what i I was getting at when this song must have dropped when this song started being played live there's such an expanse to the song while it's minimal because there's not a lot of instrumental on this song the the bass line and the sort of the droning effect must have been such an experience to see live yeah well it's if you if you've never seen videos of of a travis scott concert I will send you some after this to watch because he he has a reputation for being, you know, one of the best performers of any artist, you know, of this generation. His his shows are absolutely insane. Like the, the craziest mosh pits I've ever been in have been at Travis Scott shows. You know, he's he's standing on stage just absolutely screaming into the mic telling people to rage and and go crazy and stuff and yeah, it's he, his energy on stage is unbelievable second to none it's 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 really really impressive it it pleases me to hear that there's still moshing going on because moshing sort of started in the late 80s and early 90s when i used to go to punk shows or grunge shows uh, or any show in the 90s really yeah. uh, i've i went to an rem concert one time and there was a bit of a mosh pit which was uh, <laughs> um it just was the thing to do was the it was if it's the 90s people just moshed for whatever stupid reason uh i've been looked after in mosh pits i have been uh people try to hurt me in mosh pits it depends it depends on the band surprisingly the worst mosh pit i'd ever been in was for the tragically hip there hold on sorry there there was a mosh pit at the tragically hip there was and that was bob cajun (laughs) uh i can't remember what song it was but the problem with the tragically hip is not is not the tragically hip the problem with the tragically hip are the fans who are all like Mm. meatheads and hockey players and stuff like that so when you're in a mosh pit for a tragically hip song or, or a concert, they go out and think they think it's a hockey game. So that you're getting yeah. like elbowed and, and, and it's about how hard you can get hit. Where in other mosh pits that I've been in, it's more about the energy and, you know, uh, it's it's not about hurting people. Uh, right. It's it's more about just the undulation of, of the music and, and, the, and the movement around you. Yeah, the, the tragic day was the worst mosh pit I've ever been in. That surprises me. But yeah, it should it should make you happy to know that, you know, hip hop is is kind of carrying the torch of, uh, of moshing. You know, that's at, at a lot of shows I've been to. There's a there's always mosh pits creeping up and I I live for a good mosh pit. Yeah, as, as anyone who's been to a concert with me can attest to. I like, I don't know what happens. I see red and I just go crazy. I'm, I'm in the middle. Like <laughs> it's such a contrast to how I normally am. I'm normally a pretty reserved guy, but <laughs> once I'm in the middle of a mosh pit, it's all bets are off. Yeah. You're a pretty calm fellow. I think we, we sort of have that in common. Um, we're yeah. pretty calm people. 
um, yeah, it's good to hear that that moshing is still is still something. Yeah, yeah, I I can imagine like in the '90s though, when when punk and grunge were really when they had their time in the in the limelight. I can only imagine what it must have been like at those shows. I, I went to one show. It was uh, have you ever heard of a band called the Sonic Youth? Yes, yes, I have. Okay. I was at a Sonic Youth concert with my good friend Henry, and we were in the balcony. We weren't on we weren't on the on the floor, and the bouncers who were working the front stage were having a competition with themselves. When someone was crowd surfing and they got to the bouncers, they were seeing how far they could throw them back into the crowd, and they were laughing and high fiving each other. <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. Um, actually, I'll tell you a side story, and and Darren's going to hate us because we were going to go over time, Darren. Sorry, I was at a Smashing Pumpkin concert okay. with Henry, and we showed up early because we wanted to have front row, and we did have front row. So I was against the barricade. It was a uh, there was no seating; it was just general admission. So was, I was at the barricade, and it was a it was a really cold winter's day, and I just I wrapped my coat around my waist, and I just had a t shirt on, and it was really hot and sweaty inside, and had my my hands were pinned against the barricade as the motion was sort of happening behind me, and then all of a sudden. Something globulous, some kind of <laughs> liquid, hit the back of my neck oh. and slowly started to crawl its way down my spine. But because oh. my hands were pinned, I couldn't reach behind me to see what it was, to feel what it was. So I just had to sit there and let it just sort of <laughs> crawl down my spine uh, while I was listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. So that was the worst, probably the worst experience that's ever happened to me. So I didn't know if it was blood, snot. A, a bead of sweat. I don't know what ha- what hit me in the back of the neck, but it, it was terrible. It's probably better that you don't know. You I know? never found out. I never found yeah. out what it was. So. It's probably be- better off that way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was uncomfortable. I did not like that experience. Yeah. I so um, I nothing like this has ever happened at a concert that I've been to. But a couple of years ago, Travis Scott performed um, in New York City at this uh, you know mid-sized venue called Terminal Five, and Terminal Five has uh, like levels of balconies kind of going up. Like they have, I think, two or three tiers of balconies above the floor. And like during the show, um, Travis was like he he always like he's climbing on stuff, like he's climbing the stage and the rigging and whatnot while he's performing and stuff. And I remember uh, I saw this like on Twitter. It blew up as soon as this happened. This clip. But a fan, like, wanted, like, he was on the highest level of the balcony, and for some reason, he wanted to get in the mosh pit at the bottom. So he he jumped, I think, like, 30 feet down <laughs> onto the floor, broke his arm, immediately stretchered off. Um, yeah. And then, like, the whole crowd, like, just kind of stopped. It was like, oh, my God, what the hell? And then immediately started moshing again. It was one of the, it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people just don't stop. They just keep going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of uh, uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters broke his leg during the show when he fell off the stage and then they sort of brought him back onto the stage and he just sat in a chair and continued to finish the show. Then he went to the hospital after, at the end of the show, uh, knowing that his leg was broken, but he just continued playing, just sitting in a chair. Yeah, that's that's metal as, as hell. That's yeah. Dave Grohl, true performer. I respect yeah. the hell out of that. Yeah. So No, I really like the song. Uh, I wouldn't say I would play it in, in every occasion, uh, but For again, sure. I, I think it's going to make my photography playlist where uh, I'm walking around photographing things, uh, and that song comes on. I think I think that's a very uh, a good song for that kind of experience. Great. Well, I'm happy to hear it. Very happy to hear it. Yeah. Should we ask Darren what he thought of it? I'm, I'm afraid to see what Darren thought of it. Let's, let's, <laughs> no, let's see. Let's see. Darren, what did you think? I like the video clip. Okay. All right. <laughs> I haven't seen the video clip yet, so I'll have to watch that, Darren. It's pretty cool. Okay. Cool.
yeah. No, thanks, Nick. That was a really good song. No problem. All right. So we're moving on to our second song. And I am very excited that you got to listen to this song. I am a huge Doors fan. Uh, similar to CCR, which we listened to last week, Creedence Clearwater Revival. It's amazing how many hits the Doors actually have. And we'll go through some of their hits later. The one we're going to listen to is Roadhouse Blues. That was released in 1970 off their album Morrison Hotel. And before we get into it, I'm going to get Darren to give us a little bit. Darren, just hit play. Nick, before I get into the song, I really want to know what you thought of it. Yeah, um, I, I gotta admit, like, blues music, blues rock is something that I've never really been exposed to, but man, what a cool sounding song that is. Like, yeah. like, damn, I, like, the whole time I was listening to it, and every time I listen to it, all I can think is, this is the song I want to be playing if I'm ever at just, like, a seedy dive bar somewhere in the Midwestern U.S., Getting drunk off like Pabst Blue Ribbon, I want this song on repeat. You, you got it right. That's exactly what the song's about. Yeah, so, it's it's so good. <laughs> the song is probably written about an actual roadhouse. There's a, a a nightclub called the Topanga Corral in Topanga Canyon, which I believe is in California. Uh, it was sort of near where Jim Morrison lived. Uh, and it's a really tricky road to get to the Topanga Corral. So the line, keep your eyes on the road, your hands upon the wheel, is probably written specifically about driving to that nightclub. So that's where that line sort of came from. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I really think this is just such a cool, vibey, just it's a great song. Like like I said, I've, I've, I have no experience with blues music or uh, you know very limited songs in my library that sound like this. But yeah, for some reason, it just scratched an itch I didn't know I had. Like the, the harmonica, the jazzy piano, it just hits so well. Uh, and to be typical, of, uh, or to be fair to the Doors, they don't have a lot of songs in the blues sort of genre. It's more rock and roll. So this is a very specific song to them. And one of the reasons why they actually recorded the song is because when Jim Morrison got drunk, he liked to sing blues songs. So they recorded a blues song. And he was probably drunk when he recorded it. I have no, I couldn't find any actual information that stated that, but it's Jim Morrison. So let's bet he was, you know, something was going on. Okay, so that that was one of the questions I had queued up to ask you was, is this song indicative of, of the rest of the Doors music, or is this more so just a one-off experiment? But you've kind of already touched on that. Yeah, the Doors have a very different sound. Because of the keyboards and this keyboard sound, uh, they are a very different sounding band. Uh, it's really hard to replicate a Doors song or to sound like the Doors because the keyboards is such play such a unique role in their music. Uh yeah, Ray, uh, Ray Manzarek, the, the keyboardist for, for The Doors, is, has a very specific sound with his keys. So, I like you said at the beginning uh, when you're introducing the song that The Doors have a ton of hits. And I don't doubt that, but I don't know if I can name one off the top of my head. So, so run me through some, some songs and I'll sure. see if I recognize them. 
so you said you knew one song was LA Woman. That was yes. the one song you knew. Okay. The only song. <clears throat> so uh, they have Hello, I Love You, Light My Fire, People Are Strange, Love Me Two Times, Riders of the Storm, Break On Through to the Other Side, Roadhouse Blues, which we were listening to, uh, Not to Touch the Earth, Touch Me and LA Woman, uh, The Ghost Song, The End, which is maybe one of the greatest songs that we recorded. Yeah, they're amazing. Absolutely amazing. I think Riders on the Storm sounds familiar, but I again like like CCR. I think this is one of those bands where because you know they 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 may have just permeated music so much that I've just heard songs or guitar riffs in you know a commercial, a movie, or you know walking around the store, and it's just you know as soon as I hear it, I know it, right? Like it's it's one of those things. I bet when you were talking about Fortunate Son last week. Uh... Um, this is the end is another song that gets played in a lot of Vietnam style movies or genre movies. That's yeah. another song. It's a very, it, it's a very long song. I think it's seven minutes and it's a, it's a quite, it's called, this is the end. So as you can imagine, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a sad song. Uh, so that sure. gets, that gets, I think that was played in a, apocalypse now. So that is a very reminiscent uh, song to play during a Vietnam uh, era movie. Okay. I'll definitely have to look that one up then after this. Yeah, this is the end. I wanted to get you to listen to probably The Doors' most poppy songs, which is uh, Roadhouse Blues, and then to sort of get into them a little bit more. Um, don't get into them too much because I'm definitely going to feature The Doors in other podcasts. Okay. Uh, but I think this was a good introduction of, of, of a very, very cool Doors song. Like, this is a cool song. Yeah, very cool. I I love the line, um, and probably my favorite part of the song, when he says, I woke up this morning and I got myself a beer. Like, that just made me laugh because it's so relatable. I, I, I know that feeling, you know? Yeah. So good. I don't know how much you know about Jim Morrison and, and his life. Yeah, I know very little of him, so please okay. do. Uh, so this song was recorded in 1970 on the album Morrison Hotel, as I mentioned. Uh, Morrison died in 1971, high, drunk, and fat in Paris. <laughs> nice. Uh, so they recorded L.A. Woman, and L.A. Woman was actually the last song they ever recorded, if if my research is correct. And he told the band that he was going to go to Paris for a while just to, uh, you know, try to rethink of his life because he was, you know, he, he was a very addicted person. He was he was high on heroin all the time. He uh, had a drinking problem, so he wanted to go to Paris to sort of clear his head a little bit. And he died in Paris in a bathtub of a heroin overdose. Wow. Uh, at the age of 27, do you know about the myth of the age of 27? Uh, I do, I do. And you know what? what's crazy about that is it keeps happening. Like, there's yeah. still popular artists, um, you know, like for my generation that, you know, yes. are very tragically passing away. And it's <laughs> at the age of 27 or like 28, something around there. It's so crazy. So other people that have died at the age of 27 are Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, uh, Kurt Cobain. Uh, Brian Jones, he was the original guitar player of the Rolling Stones. And uh, most recently, Amy Winehouse died at the age of 27. Wow. So, yeah, 27 has that weird age. Obviously, a lot of people die at other ages, but it just happens to be that weird uh, 27 club, I guess it's called, um, where yeah, a lot of famous people die at the age of 27 of weird things yeah that's that's pretty that's very weird very tragic i mean yeah that's you know when you think about it 27 that's when a lot of um you know artists start hitting their prime really right yeah yeah very sad you mentioned the piano in the song uh yeah that piano is played by raymond zurich and that piano is called attack piano attack piano to me it looks like you put an adjustment over a key, like a piano or a keyboard and it makes that sort of old-timey sound or honky-tonk sound 
so that's the tack piano. It's a very specific sound uh, for that song. Well, tack piano is fantastic then. Yeah. Thank you for informing me of that technique. I, yeah. I really, really like that. It's not something you know you hear a lot nowadays um, in today's popular music, so very cool sound. No, it's a very honky tonk. It's very country honky tonk sound. So it you don't hear it very much in 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 pop songs or uh, rock songs at all. Yeah, it's a very specific sound to that. So my final uh, question I have for you is, if you know, where should I look um, if I want other music that kind of sounds like this, maybe a bit bluesy, has a similar vibe to it? Were there any any groups that you know really excelled in this lane that I that I should check out? In a couple of weeks, I'm going to get you to listen to a ZZ Top song. I don't know if you know anything about ZZ Top. Uh, I, I might have one of their songs in my library, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to get you to listen. While ZZ Top doesn't really sound anything like The Doors, uh, ZZ Top is a very blues-based rock band to the point where, and I'll talk about this in a few weeks, where they played a live show and the people that booked them didn't know they were white. They thought they were they were black <laughs> artists. Um yeah, so we'll listen to his, we'll listen to some ZZ Top in a couple of weeks. Uh, cool. But I, I think ZZ Top, the early ZZ Top, not like 1980s ZZ Top where they went a little bit more poppy. Like talking yeah. about the, the 1970s ZZ Top uh, is a good example, I think, of a blue, more of a blue sounding band. Okay, sweet. I look forward to that then. Yeah. All right. The last thing I want to say about this song in the year 2000, the remaining members of the Doors got together to do uh, a live version of this song. And unfortunately, they picked Scott Stapp from the band Creed, which is maybe the worst <laughs> band of all time, to sing the Jim Morrison part. If you don't know Creed, please never listen to them. They okay. are Noted. terrible. Uh, and Scott Stapp has survived somehow. He's he's another very famously addicted to drugs sort of personality. Uh, if you if you want to tell your kids not to do drugs, just show them a Scott Stapp interview and. That will help your children not do drugs. He's All right. awful. Scott Stapp, noted. Yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. Yes. Watch a do Scott not. Stapp interview. <laughs> Darren, what did you think of Roadhouse Blues? Yeah, it's another one that's been on my listening list for the last 20 years. So yeah. I like Amazing it. song. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Darren. All right. Uh, that's pretty much the end of the podcast. And as you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, we like to feature new artists. And uh, we are going to feature an artist today called Ivana. Ivana is based out of Melbourne. Uh, we're going to listen to her song called Mine. Mine is about uh, the reality of getting into a relationship when you're traveling in another country. Now, it's different to be attracted to someone, knowing that one day you're going to just sort of unfortunately have to leave them, even though you have really specific feelings for them. So it's a very interesting song in that regards. Uh Ivana is originally from France. Uh, she's been living in, in Melbourne for a few years. Uh, she's into R&B R &B and soul. Uh, she's a singer and songwriter. And so this song is called Mind by Ivana. Uh, Nick, thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a good week to all of our listeners.
but I'm sure you knew You're not mine, I'm mine, I'm mine What the fuck you're gone, what's going on You're not mine, I'm mine, I'm Do. 